Welcome to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. Get it, got it, give it. Here in The Sweat Room, we dive into today's questions about sports and faith. Don't let people turn you down. Be persistent. Um, don't be afraid to, to fight for yourself. Um, don't let people belittle you. Um, because I feel like if with Christ behind you, like we can do anything and everything that we set our mind to. Um, and if it's his plan for us, it's, it's going to work out. And now here's your hosts, Noah and Bjorn. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the 55th episode of The Sweat Room. My name is Noah Corston, and alongside my co-host Bjorn Webb, we are so honored and so blessed to have you today for our episode with Maddie Glab. This is the first week of our Buffalo Bills series, and we're kicking it off with a good one. Maddie Glab is the multimedia producer for the Buffalo Bills, and she covers the team year-round, covers games, practices, does one-on-one interviews with coaches and players and writes features that go in depth about the team. She's a host of a number of things with the Buffalo Bills, including a podcast that she helps host called the Bills Pod Squad, and she hosts a pregame show, a postgame show, and hosts stuff online, on Instagram. She's everywhere with the Buffalo Bills shows. You got to go check her out. She's awesome and does an incredible job with all things Buffalo Bills. So excited to have her today as we talk about her faith journey how she ended up in Buffalo, and much, much more. You guys are in for a treat for today's episode with Maddie Glab. And if you're new to our podcast, welcome. Our motto is get it, got it, give it. We're always in every phase of this, always learning, always teaching, and always applying. And we like to say here at the Sweat Room, Everybody has a story. It's just a little bit different platform. And Maddie's platform is awesome, but she has a story. And we like to say whether you're a professional athlete to the high school athlete, everyone has a story. It's just a little bit different platform. You matter. You as a listener matter. You bring something to the table each and every single day. We're so excited about today's episode. And I highly encourage, if you don't have pen and paper out for this episode, you got to get it out because Maddie's going to just say some incredible things that you do not want to miss. And even if you don't, we have a blog at watermarkwesleyan.com slash blog. You can read on the show notes of, of today's episode. And before we dive in as well, go check us out on social at watermark sports on facebook and instagram on twitter it's a little bit different it's at sweat room pod and if you really enjoyed today's episode highly encouraged to subscribe rate and review and share with a friend that would be that would help us out a lot so without further ado here is our episode with maddie glab we want to welcome to the sweat room maddie glab maddie thanks for joining us today yeah, of course. I like the name Sweat Room. I hope <laughs> I don't sweat right now. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I told our listeners the first episode we ever did, I was sweating because I'd never done anything <laughs> like this before. And I was like, you know, I guess the, the name holds true. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And now we're here. Now so we're here. Now we're here. That's good. Well, Maddie, thanks for joining us again. And I know one of the things about you is you're originally from Chicago, but now you're in Buffalo now. You're doing great things with the Bills. So I'd love to know, this is kind of a two-part question because being from Chicago, what's your favorite thing about Buffalo and who has better pizza, Chicago or Buffalo? This is a, it's a tough question. And it's I know not, it's of- not a tough question. <laughs> if we're in New York city, it becomes a tough question, which I have never been to. I hope to check that off my bucket list this summer. Now that things are opening back up again, but pizza wise, I would say Buffalo does not have bad pizza. So I came from Tennessee was the last place I lived and they just had terrible pizza and it, I did never wanted to eat pizza. I love pizza. I never wanted to eat pizza because the pizza was just, it wasn't, you couldn't have good pizza. There wasn't any good pizza. There were a couple places that were decent, um, that you could get a fine slice if you're really craving it. But Chicago definitely has better pizza than Buffalo. Sorry, Buffalonians, if I'm already getting you guys angry on here. Um, but I have never had like the New York city style thin crust. So Mm. I, I hope to have that this summer and then I can settle the debate for myself because I'm, you know, a huge Homer. I love my deep dish. Lou Malnati's is my favorite. Um, Pequod's is a place or Pequod is a place that's kind of, uh, taken over since I left Chicago, since I went to college. Um, it's really popular and has been around for like ever. So I need to check that out the next time that I'm home. 
So yes, Chicago pizza is better. And then I already forgot the first part of your question. <laughs> so the first part, we'll bring it back to Buffalo. What's your favorite thing about Buffalo? <laughs> My favorite thing about Buffalo is not the pizza. I'm just kidding. The pizza is totally fine here. I'll stop talking about pizza and tell you my favorite thing about Buffalo. Um, so I live in uh, Elmwood Village, and I just really like the area. You know, I got this job with the Buffalo Bills, and I was living in Knoxville, Tennessee. And Knoxville's a small city. Buffalo's definitely way bigger. But it was like I got this job, and people are like, "Where's Buffalo? Like, what's in Buffalo?" And I, I say that to Buffalo people, and they like get offended when I say that because Buffalo is like a hidden treasure, and I've totally um, grown to know that and believe that. Honestly, like when I got the job, it was like, okay, wait, how close is it to New York City? Oh, it's in Canada, basically. Okay, <laughs> so I'm moving to Canada. Sweet. Um, so I really had no idea about Buffalo when I got this job and just knew of the Buffalo Bills and knew that they were a team on the rise and knew that they were a team that had been terrible for a long time, but thankfully had gotten out of that rut with a new mm -hmm. coaching staff and um, new players in the building. And I was excited for the opportunity, but didn't know, you know, am I going to like this city? Um, am I going to enjoy where I live? And that's kind of the way that I've thought about several jobs that I've gotten because yeah. I've lived pretty much everywhere and I'm 28. Um, so I know this, this industry can take you wherever and you can't be picky because once you be picky, then you don't go where the best job is, um, like relatively. So, hmm moved to Buffalo and I, I love how it's kind of, everybody says it's like a small Chicago and I totally buy that. Yeah. Um, that's because I think the food scene is really good here. And so I think that's what sets it up. One is the food because you have a bunch of different like types of people, styles of food. That's like real. It's not like fake. I'm going to get some fake Greek food tonight. It's like, no, I'm going to get some real Greek food tonight. I'm going to get some real Italian food. Um, so I love that there's just a bunch of European people here who have kind of set up camp here a long time ago. And there's just, uh, um, the, the ethnicity range is definitely wider than Tennessee. And I appreciate that because that's kind of how I felt in Chicago, even though I didn't live in the city, it was kind of like, you could get great food wherever. Um, but the people are so nice too. I, I moved from the South, as I've said, like 50 times in the last two minutes. Um, and they're so, I mean, Southern, like the Southern charm is a thing and everybody's so polite there and so welcoming, but it's, I think it holds true for like the Midwest. And I would include Buffalo in that as well. Um, people are very down to earth. People are hard workers. You know, you get the, the blue collar vibes of course are real. Um, and people love their sports. That's something that I connect to that I've always connected to, uh, being raised in Chicago and around so many, uh, professional sports teams. Like that was ingrained in me from a young age by my dad. Um, and that's where my passion lies. And I feel like anytime I can connect with people on that level that like have that crazy fandom, that's like borderline, like, are you okay? Like, you're in <laughs> I'm like, Oh, that's my home. Like, yes, we can be on the same wavelength together and go crazy about the Buffalo bills. So yeah. that's why I love Buffalo. Oh, I love it. And, and I, and I love that you had not just one favorite thing. It was a yeah. lot of favorite things. Yeah. Um, but it's so true. Buffalo's a, it's a great place to live. And you know, it is, you know, it is a secret. People don't know how great it is here because it's, you know, not a glorious city. You know, our sports teams have had their times in the past, but nothing super great right now. And, uh, or well in the past, but we're getting there, we're getting there. So speaking of the Buffalo bills, um, you get to work with some of the best athletes in the world and some of the best athletes in the NFL as the bills are one of the top teams when working with players, I got to know who is your favorite or one of your favorite uh, players to work with. The number right behind me, Trey White, is like one of my favorite humans, which I think anybody who works for the Bills would tell you that. But mm. it's not just Trey. I'm, there's so many great people on the team, and it comes from... Sean McDermott and Brandon mean being and the type of players that they recruit to come play for this team, the type of character players I've been around several different teams 
in college, not necessarily in the NFL, but mm-hmm. you know, rarely do you come across like an entire roster. That's great. Um, and the Tennessee teams that I covered too, they were awesome, but college football, you have like a hundred people on the team. So it's hard to get to know everybody, but I really love working with, you know, anyone with the Buffalo bills, any of the players are always fun to, to be around. I love the bigger personality guys. Cause they're going to give you the better sound bite. And um, <laughs> they're just usually like more fun to be around um, in the sense of, of what their personality brings to the table. Mm-hmm. And so Trey white, Isaiah McKenzie are two guys who are just like, insane and how they act in the best way, not insane in a bad way. Um, they just bring so much joy and life to everything. And it's just who they are. It's not like they put on this face when the cameras get turned on and they get all like rambunctious and, and, um, energetic. It's a thing that it's like on all the time and you can see that practice. And so I just really enjoy working with Trey. I really enjoy working with Isaiah McKenzie. The last time I think I had an interaction with Trey, which was during the season, I was allowed to go to the practices, which was awesome. And so we were at a practice and I was shooting a video like a week before, um, for one of our sponsors, Perry's ice cream. And so we were doing like an interview with ice cream and it was with a different player and Trey walks like by and sees that there there's ice cream and wants the ice cream. And so from then on for like the next week, he like hounded me about giving him, um, a tub of a certain flavor that he wanted that I didn't have. And anytime I saw him, he's like, Maddie, where's my ice cream. And so it's just like little one-off things like that, that Trey does or, or other players do that. It, it just makes it so fun to be around the team and like, feel like you're a part of the family and they really make you feel that way. Mm, that's fun. And so I got to ask with, with, the NFL being a business and you never know if guys are going to come back the next year, if their contracts done or what's going on um, with some situations like Isaiah McKenzie's where it's, we didn't know if he was going to sign or not. And then we see that he did. Do you have a little fan inside? It's like, yeah, I, I, have good, I have a good relationship with him. I like that guy. I'm glad he's back. Or how does that sort of play out from your perspective as players maybe come back or not and they're gone? How is that for you? I think players understand better that it's a business than I do because I get attached to these guys and I'm like, why can't we have the same team as last year? Like we did a great (laughs) job. The salary cap should be fine. So everybody can like play for the team again. Like everybody should get what they want. So I get like, like really sappy about that stuff and sad. Like when guys don't come back, like Mm. John Brown's not going to be on our team this year. And I'm really going to miss John Brown. John Brown was so sweet and just so wonderful and a great football player. And like, I get that, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out and contracts come to an end and you sometimes you can't get to an agreement or there's not enough money, whatever reason that may be that guys, um, have to go elsewhere. So I definitely get sad about some of that stuff. We had some Mizzou guys on our team, like right when I came to the bills and it was guys that I covered when I was in college. So I have Mm. known them for like eight years, 10 years, not 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. 10 years, 10 years. I'm like, wait, how old am I? Um, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for telling me math is hard in my head, even when I'm like subtracting by 10, but anyways, so a couple guys, um, that I had known from college and Mitch Morse is one of them. i he played at Mizzou when I was in school. So it's cool to have guys overlap like that, that you, um, get to know on a different level because you've been around them for so long. So I definitely get sad when, when players leave, but I get so happy when like players are coming back. Like when I saw Isaiah McKenzie and Matt Milano and John Feliciano, we're all going to be coming back. And I mean, there's other guys too. It just gets me so amped. I'm like, yes, the band's back together. We're going (laughs) to, we're going to do it again, run it back to the AFC championship game. But, and then I get excited for new players. Like we had, 
at our press conference with Manuel Sanders and he seems like just a great dude and like a good leader to have on the team. So I get excited for that stuff too, but I feel like I definitely get more attached maybe than other people do who have been you know, covering the NFL longer than I have and just get used to it. This is going to be my third season and I'm still like, no, why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. So Maddie, I would love to, I know normally you're the one you know, behind the microphone, doing the interviews, talking with these guys, getting to know them a little bit. We are, you know, flipping the script a little bit. We want to get to know you a little bit. I would love to know, my base question is, who is Maddie Glab? And and some of the things I want to know are, you know, what are your favorite sports? Did you play sports growing up? You mentioned, you know, you know, Chicago, and you've been a, you know, a big sports fan your whole life. And in Tennessee, you know, Knoxville is huge with the University of Tennessee. Um, so what are the, some of the things that you like to do and maybe what sports did you play? And do you have a favorite? So I grew up um, playing several sports. I like played soccer when I was young. You know, your parents are like, get the kids in every sport. They'll figure it out or like just get them out of the house. So they stop terrorizing everything and everybody. So I played soccer for a little bit, um, played basketball up until my uh, freshman year in high school. I didn't play my sophomore year. And then I, my sport was softball. Um, mm. so I started playing like T-ball when I was little, we're big Chicago Cubs fans in my family. And so, um, go Cubs go. go Cubs go. That was the sport that we get like got raised on, um, and grew to love first. My dad's a huge Chicago Cubs fan. And so through that, I wanted to play baseball. So I played T-ball and then found my way into softball and played like travel softball. Most of my childhood started out maybe when I was 12 and mm. played through high school, thought I was going to play collegiately, um, got some interest from schools, hurt my finger, um, mm. by hurt. I mean, like shattered a bunch of bones oh, in my thumb. How'd that my, happen? I got hit on an inside pitch by a girl who had known me since fourth grade and knew, you know, probably where I stood on the plate. I was a lefty slapper. So I was hugging the plate. She threw me inside the, my thumb got stuck in between the ball and the bat shattered a bunch of bones. It was the winter before my, uh, last high school season. And I ended up missing like most of my, uh, senior year for high school softball. And that's kind of when you start to decide, okay, I'm going to go here and play ball or like these, um, college scouts are interested in me. So this sounds like a good school to go to. And all that kind of went out the window when I got hurt. Um, so gave up my dream of playing softball in college. Um, but you know, loved the sport, loved playing it, still love it. And, um, what was the other question? <laughs> yeah. Just what are your summer, some of your interests and hobbies outside of work and things like that? Some of my interests, um, outside work, outside what I do every day. I mean, it's hard because my job is kind of like right now we're in a down part of the year just because we're not playing. Um, and so I have more free time, but during the season, like you're working seven days a week and you have like no free time at all. And so you spend the only free time just like basically staring at a wall and like, Oh my gosh, am I going to make it? I can make it. Or just watching copious amounts of TV, um, which I think we all did during quarantine. Right. Um, (laughs) so Right now, and this past year has been so weird because of COVID, you know, you can't really do a lot, but I do enjoy just like hanging out, chilling, watching a good show, um, watching a good movie, but I love getting out when the weather's nice. Even when it was cold, I feel like everybody was walking all the time. I was doing that too. Um, but I love getting out. I love traveling. I love going to new restaurants, um, trying out new places, going to different places, riding my bike, um, pretty much anything outdoors or at a restaurant or surrounding food is like where I'm at. Um, hanging with friends, of course, like your bu- the people that I work with at the Buffalo bills, like become your family because you work so many long hours with them. You'd think like at the end of the day, I'd be like, I never want to see you guys again, but it's like, Hey, you guys want to go over here. You want to go do this or go do that. So, um, love the family 
family that I have here with the Buffalo bills and, and the people that are in my life, they're so fun to be around and hang out with. Um, so love spending time around other people too. And yeah, I'm big, big traveler. So I'm excited to start doing some things as the world's opening back up. Um, got to go home in the off season for two weeks. Um, right after the season ended, got to go out to Colorado and visit my brother and go snowboarding. Heck I love yeah. to snowboard. Heck yeah. yeah. <laughs> All that stuff. I love wakeboarding. When I lived in Tennessee, my best friend, um, her husband works for a boating company. And so one of the perks was they get to take out boats for free every weekend. And like, that was that's like the happiest ever. I'm, if you get me on a boat and in a body of water where I can jump in the water and swim, like that's my favorite thing to do. So (laughs) yeah, that's a couple of things that I like to do for fun, but, um, you know, right now it's just kind of getting ready for this, getting ready for the NFL draft coming up, enjoying the downtime that we do have, trying to take advantage of that. Um, as golf courses open back up now that the weather's good, try and get my golf game right. Cause it's never been right. I don't think it ever will be, but yeah, you know, I'm on I that love, journey with you. <laughs> <laughs> I love going to the driving range. I love golfing nine holes. 18 is a little too much for me. I get a little too frustrated yeah. at how I play by, <laughs> by the time we're ready to hit the turn i'm like i'm done here yeah. um so yeah but everything's slowly starting to you know you can feel spring coming here in buffalo so i'm really excited about that so maddie take us through a little of your journey of how you ended up kind of with the bills and but i'd love to know how you started out in the industry that you were you were in so how did you end up studying what you did at tennessee and yeah just take us through a little of that what did that look like and how'd you end up here Yeah. So I think just being raised on sports, um, learning to love sports. I think that was huge for me because we go to school, we go to grade school and like, you find a subject you like, I didn't like anything. I was like, recess. Yeah, (laughs) that's my thing. Um, so as you're going through like middle school and high school and like maybe trying to figure out, okay, what do I want to do with life? Am I going to change my major 20 times, like 10 times? I don't know. And it was like, I like sports. Like I really enjoy sports. And if I can't play sports, then I want to work in sports. I want to find a way to work in sports. I don't know if there's like a light bulb moment where I was like, Oh my gosh, this is a great idea. I think it's just the amount of sports that I consume. Um, and just watching ESPN a bunch, I was like, Oh, this would be cool. This, this might be able to be a career path. And so once I figured out and the schools that I was looking at, if I was going to play softball were kind of all decent journalism or communication school. So I kind of knew, okay, that's probably the route to go. Um, so I chose to go to the university of Missouri and I went to their journalism school, which is known to be one of the best in the country. I know a lot of people, uh, think Syracuse is the best. <laughs> they are a great school. I know there's maybe some Syracuse people that will listen to it because Buffalo has a bunch of Syracuse grads and I work with a bunch of Syracuse grads. Um, but it's, you know, Mizzou, Syracuse and Northwestern are, are always a part of that conversation. And for good reason. Um, I don't know what their curriculum was like. I just know Mizzou kicked my butt and got me super ready for life in this industry and for getting like firsthand experience. I was able to, um, work at a news station there. That's the NBC affiliate. So it wasn't like, um, this is just the TV or this is, um, the university's TV station. It was a real TV station. So I started anchoring morning sports for them my sophomore year. And by the time I was a senior, um, I was anchoring nightly newscasts, whether or sports casts, whether it was during the week or on the weekend, got to cover some really cool things, got to cover, uh, the sec championship because Mizzou was in it my last season. Um, moved from the big 12 to the sec while I was in college. So that was a really cool thing to cover. Um, so covered several things that were, you know, really awesome because I went to a school that at that time was really good at sports. After that, they kind of went off the deep end and well, hopefully they didn't have Maddie Glab reporting anymore. <laughs> you know, I guess we're keeping <laughs> Not it all together. But I, since you came to Buffalo, we've been doing pretty well. Yeah. I just, I just have that effect on teams. Um, <laughs> so because- for anybody listening, if you want your team to do really, really well, you gotta <laughs> hire Maddie. <laughs> no. 
bun, maybe. Yes. <laughs> so graduated from Mizzou with this, you know, a, a reel and a resume is what you need to, to get a job in at least this industry. And a reel is like a bunch of clips of you talking on TV about sports or doing live hits, things like that. And like, had such a hard time finding a job. And I knew it was going to be that way because everybody wants to work in sports, not everybody, but a lot of people do, and there's not enough jobs. So, um, sent out so many applications, probably like 200 and was just like hitting a brick wall. Um, didn't have had connections, but not enough, um, to get a job right away. And I also was like, I'm not going to start applying for jobs until like I'm graduating because I want to enjoy my senior year, which I'm happy I did because so many people were so stressed about looking for jobs their senior year. And I was like, eh, I'll find a job when I find a job. <laughs> um, so since I was getting no interviews, I was like, all right, what are we going to do now? So I made a list of like 50 sports schools that I thought were like big sports schools. So your power five schools and sent emails to people who I thought would be in the department that I would be working for, like in media or something like that. And it was basically like, Hey, my, I mean, my name's Maddie. I, this is what I do. Do you have any jobs or can you lead me into a direction of any jobs? And I heard back a couple weeks later, no a month later from Stanford. And they were like, Hey, we have this job that might interest you. It's really nothing on camera, but it's a producer role, which I learned how to shoot and edit video, um, in school. And that's kind of how I got my feet on the ground and in the industries by doing, you know, something else, which you can't usually just go on camera right away unless you're, I don't know the best person in the world at it, but usually you have to work your way up the ladder. So got a job at Stanford, um, was making absolutely no money. So I had to babysit like every day after work for this girl who was named lightning. And it was just totally like Silicon Valley, Palo Alto vibes. Like their kid's name is lightning. It was great. Um, so enjoyed my time there. Did, did a little bit of on camera stuff. Um, I had such a beautiful place. That campus was amazing. Um, I was like, I can never get into the school. So it's great to work here. That's cool. Um, so stayed there for just under a year and it was more of a part-time position than a full-time position. And so as I came close to that year being up, it was like, we don't know if we have the funds to fill this position anymore. So you might as well start looking for other jobs. And being at Stanford for a year kind of helped me realize like how much I miss a fan support because Stanford, while they were a really good football team, Christian McCaffrey was a freshman the year that I covered Stanford. Cool. And they were, they were a top 10 team and they would get like nobody in the fans in, in the stands, no fans in the stands. And their student section is very different because people come all over the world to go to Stanford and they go to Stanford for school, which is what everybody should go to school for. Right. But we all choose school based on, on different things, especially here, I think in the United States. Um, and when I was choosing a school, I wanted to go to school that had good sports, but people from all over the world who aren't raised in sports necessarily don't think like, yeah, I'm going to go to Stanford. I'm going to go all the games or like, no, I'm going to go to Stanford, get a really good education and then get a really good job. Um, and so oftentimes you'd like look in the fan section and see people doing like homework. It was not weird to see people doing homework during football games or during basketball games, just because (laughs) that was just the Stanford way. I mean, these kids are so smart and Mm. they're trying to get this awesome degree, which will set them up in life. And so with that, I mean, you got some kids who are really passionate about sports, but you got a lot of kids who were passionate about their school and and doing that and maybe not as much sports fans. So anyways, I was like, I need to get back to somewhere that has some, some crazy fan support, which I love and I, mm-hmm. I feed off of. So, uh, saw an opening at Tennessee and had some connections there ended up getting a job, um, with their athletic department. VFL films was what we called ourselves um, as like their on-air talent and multimedia producer. So I worked there for four years, um, knew like nobody when I moved to California, knew like nobody in Knoxville, Tennessee. So as, as I'm going to these places, never in my life did I think I'd work at Stanford or live in Palo Alto. Never in my life did I think I would go to Knoxville, um, or work for the university of Tennessee, but 
And like I said earlier with sports, you kind of have to go anywhere and everywhere, at least in your first few jobs. And then you can start getting pickier and pickier as you move your way up the ladder. So, um, really enjoyed my time in Tennessee, worked for some amazing people, had great bosses, um, just had really good resources, was able to grow a lot, did some sidelining for, um, SEC network, the digital platform for basketball, um, got to work with some great football teams, some great softball teams, some great basketball teams. Um, it was really cool to be able to cover men's and women's sports. Um, got to follow our basketball team on their sweet 16 run, which was amazing and so much fun. So just loved every second out of that. But as I was progressing through from Mizzou to Stanford to Tennessee. I really fell in love with football and I was like, I would love to just pursue really just football and I would love to work in the NFL. Um, and so I saw the Buffalo bills job get posted, um, in my fourth year at Tennessee, which I was, you know, ready to move on when you're really in your career in this industry, you kind of move every three to four years is, is what the shelf life is at a job. Um, and so I was kind of feeling like I was at the end at Tennessee, saw this Buffalo bills job, um, and had been like praying for something to show up for a while. Um, and nothing really did. And so when this Buffalo bills job came up, I was like, Oh, cool. Let's go for this and see what happens. Um, had a couple connections. Connections are the most important thing in this industry. So I had a couple connections that were able to pass my resume along to the person who was doing the hiring, um, ended up getting the job. And now I'm here in Buffalo approaching my third season. Uh, absolutely love it here. It's been so fun these past two years, even mm -hmm. through COVID, like covering a football team and being able to lean on sports in a year where there was so many things that could get you down. Um, and so many things that were going on that weren't positive and were sad. Um, it was football was just such a perfect escape for me. And I think so many people, even fans who got to watch it. So mm -hmm. excited for what, the future holds with this team, especially this next season, um, with seeing how well they played this past year and seeing Josh Allen progress in the way that he did. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my journey to the Buffalo bills. Yeah. Awesome. Very good. That, that's so fun. And, you know, I have to ask, you know, you're still very young in your career and you have tons of experience, whether it be Stanford or back when you're at Mizzou or at Tennessee and now at the Buffalo bills, do you see yourself long-term in this industry and maybe why or, or why not? I think when I was younger, I did like everybody pictures themselves when they were younger in like this perfect scenario or role or job that usually isn't God's calling. Maybe it is, but I feel like more oftentimes than not, we can paint a perfect picture in our mind and it may not be perfect mm -hmm. by what God envisions for us. And so for me, it's like when I was younger, I was like, Oh, I want to make it to like ESPN or NBC sports or Fox sports, just make it to networks TV and be like, an anchor or a sideline reporter. Um, and I haven't made it there yet. I don't know if I ever will. Um, and I'm okay if I don't, I think earlier when I was younger, it was like, no, I have to make, I have to make it to network TV. And if I don't, I'm like the biggest failure. Like I set up on this journey to like make it there and to fall short of that would be a, a big fail. But I think as I've gotten older and stronger in my faith, I'm okay with wherever I go and wherever God leads me. Um, whether that's in TV or out of TV, like anything is good. Anything, um, sounds great to me. Um, because I know it would be my calling and it would be the perfect plan. Um, whatever that may be. Um, I see myself here with, in Buffalo for at least the next couple of years. So I'm completely content and happy with where I'm at right now. I'm not feeling the need to like look elsewhere, do any job searching, um, just cause I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be <clears throat> at this moment. And also because the Buffalo bills have a chance to win the super bowl and I'm not going anywhere. And I do not want to miss out on something like that, especially with how well, um, the team has been playing. So that's, that's really, I mean, I feel like that's what keeps a lot of people in a job in sports is depending on how great a team has been. And, and maybe it would be a different story if you know, the last two seasons were terrible, but they've done so well, um, that I'm like, I just want to ride this wave for them right 
right now, but what the future holds and where I'll go, I have no idea. Um, well, I've and it's grown good have... it seems like wherever you go, there's success. So yeah, right. Nope. Maybe you're right, B, or maybe she is the good luck charm. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't won a national championship or, or a championship okay. yet. It could be so I hope Many... we don't fall short. <laughs> well, one of the things we know about you is that you are a follower of Jesus. And you mentioned that earlier. And I'm sure you can't always talk about that. But what's different about this podcast is we're a sports and faith podcast. And we love hearing people's testimonies, hearing how they come came to know Christ. So we'd love to ask that. When did you become a Christian? And what, what, was, what did your faith journey look like? Yeah, so I started going to church um, when I was probably in first or second grade earlier, early on when I couldn't remember um, when that when that journey started, um, went to Blanchard Road Alliance Church um, in Wheaton. I think it was Wheaton or Glen Ellen, one of those towns because they're right next to each other. I'm from Glen Ellen, but you can drive three minutes or 10 minutes and being Wheaton. Um, so grew up in that church and for me, at least, I mean, when I was growing up at home, it kind of felt like my faith was more my parents' idea for me. And it wasn't until I really left home that I like started that faith journey for myself or at least committed to it. Um, I mean, in high school and in middle school, I definitely felt like I was a follower of Jesus, just not as strong as I am now. And then when I moved away to go to college, it was like, okay, I'm going to choose to go to church because I want to go to church. I'm going to choose to be in a small group because I want to be in a small group. I'm going to choose to volunteer in this way because I want to volunteer in this way. I'm going to choose to live my life in a certain way because I want to do that. Um, so I think once I moved away was when, um, my faith journey increased a lot and has only, um, gotten stronger and stronger. And I think, at least for me growing up, um, I really believe that in our hardships, we, um, meet with the Lord the most and, and get to grow our faith in that way. And I think mm -hmm. that's a big reason of why God throws stuff at us that, you know, are hard to get through and hard to deal with because it's in the valleys, I think where we grow the most in our faith, or at least that's been the case for me. Um, and learning how to cling to God and to Jesus and, and what he has to offer for us instead of the worldly things that take our mind off of, um, following Christ every single day. And so I think just working through life and, and being off on my own and, um, searching for a job and, and getting things that I didn't want or hearing back from no one and, and X, Y, Z that kind of comes at you when you're on your own and you're an adult is when I really found myself leaning on the Lord. Um, so that's kind of my faith journey. Um, I feel like everywhere that I've moved, I've found a great group of Christians and a great church. And I know that's not the case for everyone. And so I feel very blessed in that area and mm. knowing that I moved to several different cities, not knowing anybody, but ended up working with some amazing people, whether it was at work or outside of work, finding a great church, um, finding great friends in that church, being a part of amazing small groups in that church. And so I think that's made it, um, really wonderful and really easy to continue to pursue the Lord. Not that I wouldn't, if I went to like a church that I didn't like or anything like that, but I feel like every time I've moved, the Lord's blessed me, um, in that area, which has been super, super cool because when you move somewhere and you don't know anybody, it's like, Oh, how, how am I going to make friends? Like, am I going to find a church that I actually like? Like, let's go church shopping for a year. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I've, I've found just so many wonderful things and in, in every place that I've been. So, um, I, I think that's just so cool and, um, so wonderful. And here I am in Buffalo going to a great church and I'm a part of three small groups, um, which I don't know if I recommend that for everybody. It's, <laughs> it's a big commitment, especially in my job. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I have three small groups every week, but it's so great. And it's hard to turn down things like that because, um, 
it's full of wonderful people and, you know, wonderful things to talk about. So that's kind of my faith journey. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And thank you so much for sharing that. I I love to hear people's journeys. And I, I I love what you mentioned about, um, you know, being in the valleys, that's where, you know, you have to really seek the Lord and that's, you know, when he seeks you. And I, I think it's really important. Um, this is something I had to learn, um, is that, you know, it's, it's really good to step out of your comfort zone Mm because when you do that, that's when you can really find out, who you really are. And it wasn't until you sort of stepped out of your comfort zone, went to college or went away from home that you said, Oh shoot. Like I got to find my own church. Like I got to, you know, make myself go to church and find Christian friends and make these choices. And that's something I heard over and over again, when you were talking there is I had to make this choice. I had to make this choice. And I think that's really key. It's not something that is just going to happen. We have to be intentional and it's not just by chance that you found three small groups here in Buffalo. It was a choice you made of, Hey, I need to surround myself with good people that can lead me in a good direction and mm. help me along my journey. And so kudos to you for, for doing that, for finding those people. And I love hearing that, you know, you may go to a place where you don't know anyone, but because we all know Christ and we're all one big happy family maybe not always happy, but we're all in big family. It's you have family everywhere. And, um, whether that's Buffalo or California or wherever. Um, and so I think that's a really just, you know, big compliment to those Christian communities and those churches is that they have been welcoming to a new face like your own. So thanks for sharing that. And I know it's, you know, Noah and I, we work at a church. And so every single one of our coworkers are Christians uh, we know the NFL is a secular world. It's not a, you know, Christian league, which would be interesting if it was, but it's not. Um, and so what is it like being a Christian, being a person of faith in the industry uh, that you currently work in? Yeah, I don't think it's anything difficult or hard. I mean, it's not like um, I work at a church, so every day I show up and all my conversations are very faith-based. You know, you have those small windows and those small opportunities to teach people about God, and it usually comes from, you know, someone else maybe asking a question rather than you shoving something down their throat, which nobody likes um, if they're not asking for it or if there's not that small window uh, to let people in on, on your your faith and, you know, your foundation of life and and the reason why you wake up every day and do what you do. Um, but I think at the end of the day, like it's all about loving God and loving people. And if you can love people, then, then you're Mm -hmm. also loving God. And so, um, I try and do that every day just by being a light, um, and having a personality about myself that's, um, fun and smiley and outgoing. Um, and I just try and radiate that, um, because I have the Holy spirit inside of me. Um, and I just try and be kind and and love other people as we read in the Bible, as Jesus did, um, no matter who you were or what you did, um, or, you know, anything like God, God loved everyone. And Jesus loved everyone when he was walking on this earth and trying to share the gospel. And so that's what I try and do. And, you know, through those little windows, you do get opportunities, um, to tell people about Christ or, or invite people to church or invite people to, to hang out with a different group of friends. Um, but I think people get to know that, you know, you, believe in, in Christ and are a Christian or are a follower of Christ, um, just pretty quickly by some of the initial conversations that you have with people, um, which I think is a great thing because I think people, um, can come to you for different things. And if they're going through a tough time, um, it's great to help someone through that, um, through the eyes of Christ or, or through, um, a strong faith. So, uh, I, I love working in this industry. I think it's also wonderful just how many, um, players have a relationship with Christ. I think that's so cool. And I think when I'm able to meet someone on that subject or talk about that, whether it's in an interview or whether it's, um, just a one-off conversation, I think is one of the coolest things. Um, 
So that's always one of my, and Sean McDermott, our head coach is a Christian and I've had conversations with him in the hallway, just about like the, after my first season, I was like, Hey, I just love so much how you bring Christ into some of your answers. I think that's so cool. Um, I love the way that you lead. Like he's such a loving leader, um, in what he does and how he coaches. Mm -hmm. And I think that you can just, you can just see that, that the Holy spirit is within him. And I had the, the same thing when I worked at the, um, university of Tennessee with our basketball team, Rick Barnes is, <laughs> a crazy faith Christian. Um, and anytime he has a conversation with someone, it somehow turns into him talking about Christ and, and not in a way that he's trying to force it, but somehow the conversation with him, it just always goes there. And I remember yeah. after practice one day, he, he this is coaching a college basketball team. And after practice one day, he was showing me some of his new favorite Christian songs. And I was like, this is so cool. Like you are the coach of an sec basketball <laughs> school. And here you are showing me like your new favorite Christian songs. And I just love people like that. And I love looking up to people like that. Um, mm. leaders like that people in prominent roles like that and showing like, this is the way that you can be a Christian and a great leader, whether you're working for a church or not. Wow. Mm. That's awesome. I, I love hearing that. And that's, it's so cool. And that's something that we've enjoyed, you know, um, here at our church is seeing, you know, in Buffalo, seeing the faith that is in the Buffalo bills. And it does, it makes it, you know, fun for me as a fan to cheer for a team that I know is being led by, you know, leaders that are ethical leaders and leaders that, you know, have a priority outside of just winning. It's, they want to, you know, impact whether it's the world or whether the players or the fans or whatever, and that it's not just all about the money. Um, mm. And, you know, seeing players that have that same perspective, it makes it, it makes it more fun for me as a fan to follow. And, and I love being able to see that. Um, and I love that you've been able to see that and be a part of that and shine your light where you do. And it's, it's been really cool. The other thing that I'm interested about is we all know that, the NFL is a male dominated field as it's male sports. There's, you know, it's, there's just a lot, a lot of guys in this industry. And so I'm interested from your perspective, what is it like being a woman in such a male dominated field? I think it's getting a lot better. Um, I think, you know, the trailblazers out there, the Doris Burks, the Michelle mm -hmm. Tafoyas who were doing it when they were the only people doing it. And now it's really common to look around the room and not be the only woman. You're still like one of few, um, but it's better than being the only one. And even since I've started working in this, in this industry, I think, um, there's become more and more women around me. Um, and there's such a great group of women who work for, um, news stations or different outlets or writers, um, in Buffalo. And so it's so cool getting to see them at practices or getting to see them at games. Um, just knowing that there's other women who are strong women who are also trailblazing and helping move sports in the right direction where it's a place that's, that can be for all people. And it's not just for men, women can cover it and women can talk about it and women can know what they're talking about because they've done their homework and, um, and do better than a lot of men. Yeah. Do better than a lot of <laughs> men too. You know? Um, no, I just, I love that. It's more and more acceptable that, that women are in this industry and that they're taken seriously, um, and just not taken by the way that they look or the way that they dress, um, and are listened to for what they have to say. Um, mm. and on their opinions are accepted and are okay. Um, so I love the direction that we're heading in. I love that the direction that we're heading in, in the coaching industry, seeing more women as football coaches, um, more women as refs. I think that is like so cool. I feel like for at least my industry, for NFL team reporters, they're mostly women, but for a coach to come in and be a woman for a ref to be a woman, um, and for it to be accepted and praised and celebrated, I think is just like so amazing. And I cannot wait for what this looks like in five to 10 years. I mean, sure. Do we still face challenges, um, all the time? Totally. 
Um, but we work through those and it doesn't stop us from doing what we want to do. Um, and you know, I, we get tweets and DMS and emails about, Hey, I hate your voice or your hair looked really weird today. Or I didn't like what you How were do you wearing. Manage that criticism. Cause I, I, cause you are technically, I mean, you are a public figure, not technically you are a public figure, especially in Buffalo. How do you manage the criticism of that? And how do you I don't, I mean, I don't answer any of it. Um, I think engaging with someone on Twitter, like in a negative way is just not how I want to go about things or do things. So, and people feel really powerful when they're sitting behind their computers, not face to face with you. And so I don't know if someone (laughs) like that would say that to my face. Um, maybe they would, I feel like if you are doing it behind a computer, you should be able to say it to someone's face too. Um, because if you're not doing that, then, you know, you just think you have all this power, not that anybody should be saying rude things to each other, um, that are hurtful or demeaning. I think that's terrible. Um, but I think people are really quick to react on, on social media about telling me how I should do my job or telling me that I suck. And it, I see those things. I know a lot of people say that you should avoid them. Um, sometimes I avoid them, but I like right now I have my tweet deck up and if somebody tweeted at me, I could see what that person said. And there's definitely a good amount of praise too. Um, I hosted, I'm hosting one bills live this week and someone tweeted at me yesterday and said like, I love your opinions. I love listening to you. And mm-hmm. so that, that stuff makes you feel really good, but equally, you know, when you get a tweet that says you suck, you're terrible. It's like really, Really, dude, like, <laughs> come on, could you do this? I don't know. Maybe you could, but you're not doing it. So like I would never creative with your, everyone's a yeah. <laughs> like why, why throw the criticism? Um, so I don't like it. I mean, it makes me sad, um, because I, you know, you want to please people. You want to be good at your job. You want to be respected. And when somebody just like throws it at you that in, in the wrong direction, it's kind of like, ugh really. Um, and I think women get that more than men. I think that's just women being in this industry. And, you know, there's still some people who probably think that I shouldn't be in the job that I'm in and I'm, Mm. I don't deserve it because I didn't play the sport. Um, or I haven't been covering the sport as long as other people, but I'm a big believer in the more diverse your workplace is the better, um, the better it's going to be, the the quicker to your goal you're going to get because you're putting a bunch of different minds, a bunch of different backgrounds um, in a room together, and you're accomplishing things. I think at a at a higher rate, you're getting a better product because everybody is not coming from the same place on things. So. That's so good. And Maddie, as we're finishing up, just thank you for joining us again today. And um, one of the, we want to finish on a more of not not on a somber note like that. I mean, that's it's kind of just the jobs of, of what you have to go through of hearing critic and flack. And I'm glad that you can manage that well. But what are some of the most memorable stories that you have doing your job in Buffalo? That's a good question. Um, sometimes all like, I am so bad at recalling like games or, um, a certain play and where I'm like, yeah, week 12 of 28, 2019, there was this thing that happened. So a lot of that stuff just like runs together for me. That's something that I wish I could like, just like recall for us at, at the drop of a hat, like especially yeah, especially when I'm on the radio and somebody calls in or like Steve Tasker is like, yeah, you remember that game? Like in week four, I'm like, who did we play in week four? I have no idea, but that's just not how my mind works. Um, but I mean, I think this year was a lot of fun and some of the games were so memorable. Um, and, and as I'm saying this, I'm like, wait, what games were memorable? Um, but we just played some awesome football and it was so fun to be a part of. And even the year before my first season is, you know, your first year with a new team, you're just trying to like meet everybody. And like, mm-hmm. it's just like, who is this short blonde girl that's always around. And now it's like, Oh, her name's Maddie. Like cool. she's the team reporter. We understand what, she, what she does. Um, and so it's just been fun to build those relationships. Um, one bills drive is filled with great humans and great people. And so it's, it's been great to, um, get to know people a little bit better, um, get to know the coaching staff better, get 
get to know the players better. Um, cause it's fun. The, the conversations that you have in the hallways and after practice and in the locker room are some of the most fun things to be part of some of the videos that we've shot were, were so much fun. Um, I love getting to do the off the field stuff where guys can just be themselves. Um, this past year I did a podcast with Kim Pagula, which will continue into next season. Never in my life did I think I'd be hosting a podcast with an NFL owner. So that's been <laughs> a lot of fun. It's been great to get to know her. Some of the guests that we've got on are like amazing people that I'm like, never in my life did I think I would get to talk to Bill Cower or like Aaron yeah. Andrews or someone like that. And so just some of those instances have, have been really cool. And the people that I get to work with and get to work around, um, getting to work with someone like Steve Tasker every day, um, who will be in the hall of fame one day is so cool. He's um, going to get there. He is, but getting to meet uh, your Jim Kelly's and, and people like that, your Thurman's like so amazing. And some of the games that we had, you know, to get us the AFC championship game when we beat the Colts as the, as the clock went out because Micah Hyde batted away that pass in the end zone. It was like, I was crying. Um, and I love things that bring me that much type of emotion, um, and that much love, um, and also that much sadness, like when we mm. lost, like, you know, you're in the right place when like you get overcome with emotions like that. Um, so, and just watching Josh and just watching the offense and just watching them on the field at practices, like watching Stefan and Josh at practices this year was so fun because they're like two best friends who are like 12. That's how they acted. And it was just, it was so cool. And I was like, this is amazing. And watching our wide receiver group, like for half the season when they would break away from stretch and go, um, into their next period, it would be like a dance party for 10 minutes. And I was like, I absolutely love this. Um, and so the, all of that together has been you know, my favorite moments uh, with the Bills so far. And, and I'm just so excited for more. And I'm just so excited for Josh. I'm like just so proud of the way that he's progressed this year. And, and as I'm saying that, like the players are so inspiring. They inspire me every single day. They work so hard at what they do and they commit to it um, every single day. And they commit to doing it at crazy hours, um, and sacrificing other things to be able to do the job that they do. And I just think their stories and, um, how much they put into their craft, I think it's just so dang inspiring. And it makes mm. me so proud to, to work for them and, and to share what they do. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And that's something we're definitely appreciative of and take for granted as fans that they put in so much time, energy, and effort. Um, to provide us something to watch on Sunday, to provide the city of Buffalo, something to be proud of. And like you mentioned in a year that was like none other and was very, very tough for everyone that I've ever met watching the Buffalo bills on Sunday or Thursday or Monday or whenever, cause we're good. And we've got primetime games. Um, that was a positive note every single week for this community. And I, you know, don't get the opportunity to say thank you to the organization, but I can say thank you to you and all that you've done. And we definitely appreciate it. And, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've loved, and I'm looking forward to the future. Um, and I love what you guys do and it definitely, you know, may, you know, you may not hear the thank yous and the positive notes all the time. Um, but definitely know that there's a lot of people like Noah and myself out there that are very, very appreciative of everything you guys do for us. And as we finish up here, Maddie, um, do you have any final words of encouragement or final thoughts for our listeners today? Hmm. I have lots of final thoughts and words of encouragement, but <laughs> I'll, I'll keep it short. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think just that, like, I don't know for, for women, especially, um, maybe who want to work in this industry or who want to do something that, you know, there aren't a lot of women in, like, don't let people say no to you. Yeah. If, if you have a dream and if you have a goal and you feel like you're being led in that direction by, by, especially by Christ and you're a follower of Jesus, like, 
Don't let people turn you down. Be persistent. Um, don't be afraid to, to fight for yourself. Um, don't let people belittle you. Um, because I feel like if with Christ behind you, like we can do anything and everything that we set our mind to. Mm -hmm. Um, and if it's his plan for us, it's, it's going to work out. Um, it may take a lot of hard, hard work from our end of making it happen. Um, and through that, we could learn things about ourselves, um, that we may not, may not have known from the get go, but I have been turned away, told no, um, had to be very persistent about a, a lot of things. Um, and if it wasn't for that, um, that effort and that persistent nature about me, I wouldn't be where I am right now. I'll tell a quick story. Um, before I got my job at Tennessee, um, they didn't want to hire me because of my background in local TV. They would have rather hired someone who had a little bit more experience working for a university or for a team. I had the year of experience at Stanford, but that wasn't enough in their eyes. And I just really felt like this job was perfect for me and it was where I should be next. And so after I didn't hear back about getting an interview um, and after they weren't going to interview me, I was like, this is not happening. Like I'm getting a dang interview. And so I called who was then my boss or who was my former boss. And I was like, Hey, I'm going to be in town. I'm, I'm going to visit a friend. If you have time, do you care if I come in and talk to you about this position? And I had not after that was the first time I heard back from him after sending like 20 emails and after sending him like 10 voicemails, he was probably like, this girl's crazy. Like she needs to <laughs> leave. Um, and I was not going to go visit my friend. I was going to go get that interview and hopefully get the job. I had a friend couch who I slept on and that was how I was able to make that work. But I drove 12 hours from Missouri to Knoxville to interview for this job. And they were like, well, if you're going to be in town, we might as well give you a courtesy interview. And I did the interview. And after the interview, my, the, the boss that I had was like, you, you killed that. Like we will probably hire you. And I just want to let you know, I'm so sorry for not Mm. like interviewing you from the get go and not thinking about you as a candidate. Like I totally judged you based off of your resume. Um, and I was wrong for doing that. And so if it wasn't for me being a crazy person and driving 12 hours to be like, <laughs> knock, knock, I'm here. I wouldn't have gotten that job. And I probably wouldn't be where I am with the Buffalo bills. So, um, don't let people tell, you no if you really believe in something and you think you're, you're meant to do it and you think the Lord's calling you there. Love that. I love it. That's such a good word. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Maddie. It's, it's been an honor and a privilege and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me guys. It was fun. Go Bells. Well, thank you, Maddie, for joining us today. Bjorn, what were some of your thoughts and reflections from today's episode with Maddie? Yeah, no, I love talking with Maddie. I thought it was a lot of fun to just see, hear some insight into the industry and the job. Um, and also the faith component within all of that. Hmm. Um, I think what I heard the most from Maddie is as Christians, when we work in secular fields, we need to be authentic. We need to be ourselves. We need to be real and we need to love God and love others, which is what she mentioned. Those are the two biggest things, the two greatest commandments to love God and love others. And when we do that, then our actions will speak for themselves. Mm. Um, and I thought that was really powerful. And that's even for people that work in a church like you and I know is, you know, we got to be real, got to be authentic, um, be honest. And from there, Christ will be able to shine through us. Mm. That was one of my biggest takeaways. And I thought it was really, really powerful. What about you? Yeah. And just to follow up with that, I think of in Mark 12, when it talks about, you know, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm. But the second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. And there's no greater commandment than these. That That's what Jesus says. And mm -hmm. it's such a great reminder. And especially the field that she's in, it's, yeah, I really got to love my neighbor as myself. I got to, you know, love the Lord your God with all my heart, soul, and mind strength. But really loving people well is, is what it's about. And I loved how, you know, not taking the Bible and shoving it down their throat. Like, yeah. that's not what it's yeah. about, you know. And it's, at the end of the day, it's loving people. But my yeah. favorite thing that she said, Bjorn, was don't let people say no. This is what she said at the end. Don't let people say no. Be persistent. 
persistent. Don't or, don't be afraid, especially if the Lord is calling you to it. Mm. And man, what a word! Because how many times in our life have we been told no, and we're like, you know what? That's it. That's the door shut. Sure. But if God, if God is calling, and obviously it's a discernment process, but if you really feel like the Lord is calling you to do something, why aren't you doing it? Mm. Such a powerful word. And I know for me that at times it's like, why aren't I doing that? Oh, because someone told me no, that means I got to stop. It's like, you got to keep going, you know? Yeah. And I think it's, it's true. There's a, there's a big difference between when God shuts a door and when man shuts a door. Amen. Um, and I think that's what you talked about in the discernment process. And she saw with that opportunity in Knoxville is that, no, God, God didn't shut this door. God has opened this door, this opportunity for me. It's just that man has not allowed me to walk through it yet. Right. And so she went and knocked on the door in Knoxville and said, hey, I'm here to walk through this door. Right. Drove 12 hours from Missouri. And, you know, if they had turned her down and said, nope, we've got a different candidate that we think is better. We're going to offer them the job. Hmm. Okay. That's probably God saying to Maddie, no, this isn't the job for you. I've got something else. Um, But they said, yeah, you're pretty good. We're going to hire you. And I thought that was, that was really cool. And Mm. kudos to her for, for being able to, to do that and taking that step of faith. Um, Really, really cool. Yeah. It was a fun episode and Maddie, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to the Sweat Room Sports and Faith Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. If you'd like to stay connected with us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Watermark Sports, on Twitter at Sweat Room Pod, and our new blog at watermarkwesleyan.com slash blog. Until next time, get it, got it, and give it. Thanks for listening to the Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. 